All right, you ready to go? Uh, as Benny said, we are continuing the, the Heartland Chapter 3 series that we've been in for the last several weeks now. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that if you haven't been here in just a few minutes. But first, one of the things that I wanted to mention was that in this series, one of the things we're doing is we're talking about any changes or tweaks that we want to make to what we do together uh, on a Sunday morning. And so one of the things that we've landed on and said, man, we really want to make this change going forward is this idea that we would stand for the reading of Scripture at least one time each weekend. Now, as Heartland is, you know, typical Heartland, we're not going to become legalistic about this. So there will be services where it doesn't work. There will be series maybe where it doesn't fit quite as well as it does in other series. But for the most part, as we have opportunity, we want to take the opportunity to stand at some point in our services together on Sunday morning for the reading of Scripture. And I'll tell you why. The idea is not that we want to just add one more thing to the way that we do church. This is not about pomp and circumstance or about tradition or anything like that. Really what it comes down to is an understanding that what we have in the Bible is a gift. That the words of God are alive and active, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so what we have in Scripture is literally the Word of God. It is wisdom and discernment. It is guidance and direction. It is challenge and inspiration. It is love and hope and all of this kind of brought together in one. And so when we get to read the words of Scripture, we get to wor read the words of God himself. And so we want to just acknowledge that with our posture and stand for the reading of Scripture at some point every Sunday morning. And so today we're going to do that up top here in just a second. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are as we read a verse from the book of Leviticus. And uh, I'm just going to tell you up front, you probably will not like totally get where this verse is coming from or what it's all about, uh, but I'll come back and explain it in a little bit, okay? So if you would just stand to your feet right now, wherever you are, I'm going to read a passage from the book of Leviticus. This is Leviticus 23, verse 22. This verse says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to begin by simply thanking you for this opportunity. Lord, we know that we have the opportunity to walk with you through our daily agenda every single day of our lives, no matter where we are. And yet, we also recognize that there is something special about this. There's something special about gathering together in your house with like-minded people who are gathering together for the same reason because we want to lift you up. We want to sing your praises. We want to talk about how we can be your hands and feet to the community around us. And then, Lord, we want to open your word and invite you to speak into our lives as only you can. And so, Lord, would you do that right now? This morning, in this moment, over the course of the next 30 minutes or so, would you speak into our lives and would we leave here feeling like we have heard from you, the one true living God? Lord, we give you this time and we pray that your will would be done in it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone who agreed said, amen. All right, you can have a seat. Thanks for standing with me. If I were to say the name Lynn Vandenboss, my guess is that would probably not ring many bells. But Lynn is the chaplain for the NFL team, 
the Buffalo Bills. Now, side note, I know it's Bears Packers Day, and I'm a Packer fan, so can we get a go, go Pack Go? Yes? There we go. Thank you. Um, so I want to tell you about Lynn, though, because he's the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills. And as the chaplain, he's doing some incredible things. This is a picture of Lynn praying with players from the Buffalo Bills before their game against the New England Patriots. Now, just side note, when I saw this photo, I was not surprised to see that there are Buffalo Bills players that are willing to bow their knee and pray. But I was a little shocked to find that there were New England Patriots players that were willing to humble themselves and take a knee. I'm kidding. But um, anyway, but Lynn's doing some great stuff as chaplain. Chaplain of the Bills. On Tuesdays of, of the week, uh, he leads a Bible study for the players on the team. On Wednesdays, he leads a Bible study for the coaching staff and some of the other help on the part of the franchise. And then every weekend before the game, he leads a chaplain service for the players, the coaches, their families, and the entire franchise. Very cool stuff happening. But maybe the coolest thing that Lynn is, has done this year with the Buffalo Bills is that he has championed a new goal for for them that the team has rallied around, and that goal is that they want to be the team that leads the league in love. The Buffalo Bills have made one of their official goals to lead the league in love. Not what you would typically expect from an NFL franchise where these players are like 6'6", 300 pounds, and then sprint around the field for three hours, crushing each other into the dirt, right? Normally, we think of these guys as having goals that they want to lead the league in rushing or lead the league in tackles or, you know, as a team goal, they want to win the Super Bowl. But for the Buffalo Bills, they have made it one of their goals that they would lead the league in love, and I think that's such a great goal. When I heard that, I loved it, and I also thought of our core values, and specifically the one that we're going to talk about today. As I have said now a couple times, we're in a series called Heartland Chapter 3, where we feel like God is leading us in a new direction. We feel like as you look back over the first 14 years of our church's story, it can kind of be broken down into two main chapters. There's really kind of a dividing line there, and you can go, yeah, everything before that was chapter 1, everything since was chapter 2, but coming out of COVID, it feels like it's a new day. It feels like God wants to do some new things, and there's a lot of people who are brand new to the church coming and attending and getting plugged in and saying, hey, I want to be a part of what's happening here, and it just feels like there's some like new wineskin type stuff happening, and so we're just simply calling that chapter three. Now, to guide us into chapter three, we've said one of the things that we want to do is champion this new vision statement. We've never had a vision statement for our church before. We've had a mission, which is to awaken our diverse community to Jesus. But going forward, we now have this vision statement, which reads, it's our vision that every single one of us is doing something to advance God's kingdom. First and foremost, there's three parts to this, but the first part is that this vision is for every single one of us. Whether you attend in person or you watch online, there is a place for you in the church family that we call Heartland, right? It doesn't matter who you are or what your life looks like or where you come from. We want you to know that you are invited to be a part of everything that God is doing here, and we want you to engage. We want you to do some things as well. That's the second part of our vision. The vision is that every single one of us would not just sit by passively, but that we would all find something to do, to be proactive, to engage, to actually take a step out of the bleachers and onto the playing field and to say, yeah, I want to be a part of what God is doing here. 
Now, we're not asking you to do the same thing based on your unique gifts and talents and passions and interests, your season of life, your past experiences and your future hopes and dreams. We're saying, what is it that God wants you to do in order to help advance God's kingdom? Right? We're not talking about advancing the kingdom of Heartland. We're not talking about advancing John McNary's kingdom. We're not talking about how each of us can advance our own individual kingdoms. We want to come together and we want to all do some things so that together we might advance the kingdom of God in our community and around the world. From there, we've been unpacking our new core value statements. And each week, we've looked at a different one. So far in the series, we've looked at three core value statements. The first one was this idea that we are in this together. The second one was that we are here to serve, talking about the different serving teams available to us at Heartland. And then last week, we talked about being crazy generous. Today, we want to add to that list the value that we are good for this town. That probably doesn't surprise anybody considering the shirt that I'm wearing, right? <laughs> Do you see that coming? Yes. Um, but the idea is that we want to be good for this town. We want to be, be ambassadors for Christ in our community, right? In, in many ways, we represent God to the community around us. And the idea is that we want to be such a blessing to the people around us. We want to be so good for them that when they see us and they realize that we are good for them, that they actually see an accurate representation of the character and nature of God himself. Us being appealing to them should point them to an appealing God. And what's so fascinating about this is that this idea that we want to be good for the community around us was not new with Jesus, right? It's not like Jesus showed up on the scene and he called us to this. This goes all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture, and we see that this was a value to God himself, that God himself wanted the nation of Israel to be good for the people around them from the very beginning, and that was the verse that we looked at. That was the verse that you stood for. I want to put this back up here and look at it one more time. It said, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Now what you need to know is that this was one of the laws that God gave to the nation of Israel after he freed them from slavery in Egypt and after they were established in the promised land. They were becoming a new independent nation and God was helping them come up with the laws that would govern them as a people. And this was one of the laws he wanted them to follow. Now for those of you who have been around Heartland for a while, you know that I'm a bit of a country guy, right? Um, I don't know how else to say it, but I was raised in a small town in rural Ohio. It was an agricultural community, and uh, I have fond memories of growing up in the small town that I grew up in, and uh, it was very, you know, I don't know how to describe it's like It's like I grew up in a country music song, right? And um, my high school had an annual drive your tractor to school day, Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else go to a high school that had a drive your tractor to school day? Thank you, yes. Um, I think it was sponsored by the FFA, which was by far the biggest club in our school, the Future Farmers of America, right? Get an amen for the Future Farmers of America. And uh, so this was the school that I grew up in. Well, even now, I just appreciate like 
a little bit of space, you know? Like, I'll go into the, a big city, and, um, you know, I like to visit big cities. There's a lot to do. But you know what? I would not want to live in a, in a really big city. Like, I like a little bit of room to breathe and a little bit of room to, like, spread my wings, so to speak. And so when my wife and I were buying our house in Sun Prairie like a decade ago, we, we decided, hey, we want to get outside the busy city limits of downtown Sun Prairie. And um, <laughs> if you can say that about a town the size of Sun Prairie. Um, but we bought a house just on the edge of town where we can look out the windows of our, of our family room in our kitchen and we look across the road at a farmer's field. And I love to just stand there and look out the window at this field. Uh, I think it's beautiful, really. That sounds funny, but I do. And so most mornings, you would find me just standing in front of the window with my cup of coffee, just looking at this field. And my wife loves to make fun of me for this. She frequently walks past me in a tone that's like part curiosity, part sarcasm. She'll be like, what are you looking at, John? It's like... Nothing. You know that. It's okay. I don't care. I love it. Uh, but sometimes I see the deer. Like, I'll see deer wander through this field. Other times I see turkeys gather, and I, you know, I look at them, and uh, sometimes there's this red-tailed hawk that sits up on the power pole, and, you know, when I'm lucky, like, he'll swoop down off of it over the field and kind of, like, come in low, and it's like a beautiful thing. I love to see, like, what's happening in this farmer's field. I don't know how else to say it. So much so that a couple years ago, I took a picture of it uh, during harvest because I, I, like, I do this year-round, but especially this time of year in the fall when they're harvesting the fields, like, I just think there is something beautiful about this. And so I took this photo. I saved it, but this is the view out my window. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And I'll tell you that where I'm going with this, if you're like, what does this have to do with anything? I'll tell you what I've noticed watching them harvest this field over the years is that they get every last ounce of that crop, right? Even with these massive combines that they drive through this field, they can maneuver them so well that they get like right into the corners and they make sure that they hit every single row of, of whatever it is that they're growing that year and they keep changing it up by the year. My point is that, that of course they do. Because to a farmer, this is his livelihood. Like, for him to leave the crops in the field would be for him to literally waste money. For those crops to rot would be to just let money sit there and rot and get kind of, you know, turned back over into the soil again the next year. Well, just for the same reasons as it is true for American farmers today, Israelites way back thousands of years ago, had every incentive to, to harvest up to the edges of their field. They had every incentive to gather the gleanings after the harvest. The gleanings means to go back through the field and to gather the crops that have fallen to the ground after the initial harvest was completed. So, of course, they would have wanted to gather that. But God told the nation of Israel, no. I don't want you to harvest to the edges of your field. And no, I don't want you to gather the gleanings. Why? Why would God want them to just waste it, to leave it behind? Well, he tells us in that verse, he said, because I want you to leave it for the poor and the foreigner among you. The idea was that after the harvest was done, after the farmers didn't harvest to the edge of their field, and after they didn't gather the gleanings, people who were poor and the foreigners could come into those fields and they could gather it so that they had something to eat. Right? It was a way of providing for the, the poorest among their community. 
Now, we understand the poor, like the poor, that's obvious, but the word foreigner might catch you off there, right? But, but for the nation of Israel, when God led them into the promised land, remember, he told them to clear it out. Well, they didn't clear everybody out, so there were some other people groups still there. Beyond that, even after time went by, the nation of Israel was situated in a very strategic place. There was a lot of trade and different travel routes that cut through the promised land. So sometimes merchants or traders or other people would be traveling through and they would end up settling in the promised land. Well, even if they wanted to live there, the foreigners were the odd man out. They made up a very small minority in those populations. And so the economic system that was created was not designed to benefit them. They were the outsiders. They were the underdogs. They did not have the same opportunities that Israelites afforded to other Israelites. And they did not enjoy the safety net systems that the Israelites would provide for other Israelites. And so the foreigner represents the most vulnerable, the most at risk in their community. And so God, from the very beginning, said, I want you to be good for the foreigner. I want you to make provision for them. My people are to be a blessing, not only to each other, but also to the outsider. And so from the very, very beginning, God wanted his people to be good for their town. You fast forward through the rest of the Old Testament, you get into the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene, and he starts teaching about this wide variety of topics, everything from money to marriage, from hope to heaven, and everything in between. And one day somebody stops him, and he says, Jesus, you're teaching on all of these different topics. At the end of the day, what is the most important commandment? And then Jesus' response to him was recorded by one of his followers, Matthew. And Matthew tells us in chapter 22 that Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your who? Neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus took the entire law and prophets, over 600 different commandments that God had given to the nation of Israel, and he boiled it all the way down to two. Love God with everything in you and love your neighbor just as well as you love and serve yourself. This is why everything we do at Heartland revolves around these two things, helping us learn to love God with every part of our being, and then it's also what's behind this fourth core value that we want to be good for this town. Now, for the nation of Israel... They were supposed to be good to the people living among them. For us here at Heartland, that means being good for the people who live in the city of Sun Prairie, as well as the surrounding communities that represent all of greater Dane County. Did you know that just this week, livability.com named Madison, Wisconsin, the number one place in America to live? Isn't that crazy? The number one spot, not like top 10, not top 50, it said of all the cities in America, and there are thousands of cities in America, livability.com says we graded them all, and the single greatest place in America to live is Madison, Wisconsin. Sun Prairie is one of the fastest growing communities in the state. In the year 2000, the population was roughly 20,000 people, but over the last two decades, it's nearly doubled to where we're just about ready to break through the 40,000 person mark. The speed of our growth isn't slowing down. In fact, it's doing the opposite. We are growing faster than we've ever been growing before. That's true in both terms of residential growth as well as commercial growth. 
The development on the north side of 151 at Reiner Road is the single largest retail project happening in the entire state. We're growing faster than ever before, and we're growing younger than ever before. The median age in Sun Prairie is now 36 years old, which means my teenage boys are right. I am getting old. It's a fact. We have 11 elementary schools, three middle schools, the largest high school in the state, one alternative high school, and next fall we will open a second high school. Sun Prairie's close proximity to Madison brings with it a wealth of opportunity through things like the University of Wisconsin system, the hub of several healthcare providers, and the seat of government for our state. That's true for Sun Prairie. That's also true for all of the other communities Heartlanders come from, DeForest and Windsor and, and Stoughton and Marshall and Poinette and Columbus and Beaver Dam and Fall River, and the list goes on and on and on from all of the places that we come together on Sunday mornings from. But as great as our communities are, they are not without challenges. I was reading this week about Sun Prairie, and one of the things that caught my attention was that 7% of the population of Sun Prairie lives below the poverty level. That's almost 3,000 people living in poverty right here in Sun Prairie. That number skyrockets to over 45,000 people living in poverty just down the road in Madison. The income inequality is growing. The middle class is shrinking. The education gap between white students and students of color is a massive concern, and the list goes on and on and on from there. But church, this is where we come in. Because God always calls his people to their community's biggest challenges. And so we are not here just to camp out on the far northeast side of town and enjoy a little holy huddle. We come together on Sunday morning so that we can then be sent back out. We come together on Sunday mornings, yes, so that we can meet with God, yes, so that we can sing his praises, so we can talk about how we get to be his hands and feet to the community around us. We come together on Sunday mornings so that we can open the word of God and hear him speak into our life as only he can. We come together on Sunday mornings to rub shoulders with each other, to to be encouraged and supported, to be motivated and inspired. We come together on Sunday mornings to be reminded of the things that matter most in this life because it is not our stuff. We come together on Sunday mornings because we understand that everybody will live forever somewhere. We come together on Sunday mornings because we understand that there is more to this life than this life. We come together on Sunday mornings because we want to be a part of of a movement of God in our community that causes the community around us to stand up and take notice and say, what is God doing in that group of people and how can I be part of it? And I'm telling you, that the opportunities around us are so rich. The opportunity is so great surrounding us. The harvest is plentiful, to use Jesus' words, but the workers are few. And so we are always on the lookout for more people who are ready and willing to say, count me in, I wanna do something. Where do I sign up to be a part of that? I wanna be good for this town too. I wanna fulfill God's calling, Jesus' calling. I want this value to be a value of mine. How do I get involved? And if that's you, I've got fantastic news for you today because today we are launching our annual Love Your Neighbor Project with a whole slew of ways to be good for this town. 
Over the course of the next two weeks, we're going to engage in a variety of, of serving opportunities and collections that are just simply, there's no other way to say it, it's just going to be good for this town. We've broken those opportunities this year up into two categories, ways that you can serve with your time and then other ways that you can kind of funnel your, your financial resources into being good for this town. And so I want to go through this list with you uh, here briefly, but this first list is a list of things that are ways that we can serve. So first of all, uh, we want to invite you to consider joining us in packing snack baskets for all of the elementary schools in the city. We're going to take snack baskets filled with all kinds of goodies to all of the elementary schools, all 11 of them. They're going to be pretty big snack baskets, and we want some help to pack those. If you want to help pack those and deliver those, let us know. We'd love for you to do it with us. We're going to serve breakfast to all of the Sun Prairie Middle School teachers. At the Sun Prairie Middle Schools, they have an in-service day coming up. So we called the principals and we said, hey, what do you think about us just getting like prepackaged, individually wrapped bagels from Panera and, you know, the toppings and things? And just a small way to like tell the middle school teachers, hey, we appreciate what you're doing for students in a tricky season of life. We know you have a hard job, but we want you to know that our church is behind you, praying for you, supporting you, cheering you on. And uh, I, I wish I had recorded the conversations, but these principals were overwhelmed. They were like, that's, are you kidding me? For every single teacher in my school, that's awesome. Well, if you want to help us pass those out, get signed up to do that. We're going to paint with the Sun Prairie Food Pantry. Uh, if you were here last week, you saw us do a video with the executive director of the Sun Prairie Food Pantry. Uh, they recently purchased a property to allow them to expand their services to our ever-growing community, and uh, it needs a facelift. And we said, well, hey, we'll buy the paint, we'll bring the supplies, and we'll show up with the manpower to give that facility the facelift so that every dollar the Sun Prairie has can remain going towards food to feed people in our community who are hungry. We're going to do some apartment cleaning and prep with Shelter from the Storm. Shelter from the Storm is an organization that houses, provides housing to single moms and their children who are struggling through a season of homelessness. It not only gives them a place to live, a safe place to lay their head at night, but they also partner with them and walk through the next steps with them so that they can get back on their feet and be self-sustained on their own. Well, Shelter from the Storm recently had a couple of people, a couple of women and their children graduate from the program, and they are now on their own thriving. And so they've got a couple apartments that need to be cleaned and restocked. And we said, hey, we will clean and restock those. So if you want to come help us prepare these for the next women and children who will come, get signed up, come clean these apartments with us. And then Heartland's Trunk or Treat event. Love Your Neighbor will come to a conclusion two weeks from yesterday as we throw our huge annual Trunk or Treat event. This is an enormous opportunity to serve the kids of our community in a very fun, easy way, right? We need people to pass out candy. We need people to sign up and bring a trunk, right? And open your trunk. We need people to come pass out the free hot chocolate and the other things that will be given away for free. But we expect a record number of kids this year because it is getting out as one of the most exciting things to do in Sun Prairie for Halloween. So, if you want to be a part of any of those, go to our website, get signed up. And then we've also got a list of ways that you can donate. 
First, we're going to collect and then give away emergency supplies for, for an organization called DAYS. That stands for Domestic Abuse Intervention Services. This is an organization that comes alongside women who desperately need to escape a domestic abuse situation. And in that emergency situation, they, they provide these women with a place to go and a place to stay and all of the supplies that they need in an in emergency. We ask them what they need, and there's a couple things specifically, but it's very basic stuff. It's like toothbrushes and toothpaste. It's women's feminine hygiene products. It's stuff like that that we want to gather and collect so that we can just give it all away and be good to these women who need somebody to be good to them. We're going to collect gas and grocery cards for Briar Patch Youth Services. Let me tell you about Briar Patch. I'm going to just read this, but this is what Briar Patch says about their own efforts. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization here in Dane County. And they say in Dane County, there are approximately 300 youths who go to bed homeless every night. 300 teenagers right here in our home that go to bed homeless every single night. Within 48 hours of leaving their parents, once they decide to separate and go it alone, one in three will be approached for sex in exchange for food, drugs, or shelter. 75% of them have already or will drop out of school. These are good kids in bad situations. Briar Patch exists to work with them and to make sure that they have the resources and support that they need to survive. We said, man, how, how can we be good for these kids? They said, gas cards and grocery cards. And we said, done. We'll collect them and we'll give them to you. We're going to collect apartment supplies for those, for those apartments that we're going to set up at Shelter from the Storm. We want to collect candy for Trunk or Treat. We anticipate, again, record numbers of kids. So if you just donate candy, we will give it away. And trust me, any candy that doesn't get given away, I will personally offer to make sure that it gets eaten by someone. All right? I will, I will give you my word. Someone will eat it. If it has to be me, by the grace of God, I will just consume it all myself. Um, and then general donations toward Love Your Neighbor projects. Anything that you give towards Love Your Neighbor gets earmarked as Love Your Neighbor, and we don't touch it for any other project in and around the church. 100% of the, the dollars that get given to Love Your Neighbor gets given to our community. If you want to be good for our community that way, just give it to Love Your Neighbor, and we'll make sure that it gets given away. We won't keep even a dime of it for ourselves. So through the Love Your Neighbor initiatives, we have the opportunity to do some things that are good for this town. That, and let me tell you about one other opportunity to be good for this town. Let me tell you about a partnership that Heartland has just started with a nonprofit organization called Just Dane. Just Dane exists to help individuals who have been incarcerated and are newly released get a job and an education so that they can enter the workforce. A lot of times people who have just gotten out of jail can't get hired because they have no track record of success. They have no track record of a good work ethic. So Just Dane gives them a job in one of their different umbrella ministries like Just Bakery. And um, then after they've worked in the Just Bakery for a season, they can then go and apply for other jobs and they have a resume. They have a work history those new interviewers can call their previous place of employment and ask them about their work ethic. They can testify, yes, this person will show up to work. Yes, they will serve with integrity. Yes, they are a hard worker. And that gives them a job. 
Well, the way this connects to Heartland is that for those of you who have been around for a long time, you know that one of the things you used to know and love about Heartland were the muffins that we served on Sunday mornings, right? Yes. And when we closed for COVID, when we reopened, initially we weren't doing anything. But then after that, when we started opening the cafe back up, we started by serving coffee, but no muffins. And over the years at Heartland, I know that I have disappointed many of you on many different occasions. I don't think I have ever disappointed as many of you all at once as I did on the Sunday when I said, the people who made our muffins moved away and they're gone for good, right? It was like just this outpouring of broken hearts. We were a broken people. We prostrated ourselves before the Lord, and we said, Lord, uh, no. Uh, but you, you've been asking for muffins, and so we've been looking around trying to find them, but we could not find a, a place that could provide the number that we need at a price that was reasonable. And so it just didn't make sense for us to go buy 500 muffins every weekend at $3 a pop. Like, that, that's too much money to be spending on muffins. So then we heard about Just Dane and the Just Bakery initiative that falls under the umbrella of Just Dane. To learn more about the organization, take a look at this quick video. Hey Heartland, I am here with Justin from, uh, he's the kitchen instructor and coordinator with Just Bakery, which is a, under an umbrella of the Just Dane initiative. So Justin, talk a little bit about what Just Bakery serves to do and what you guys kind of accomplish here back in the kitchen? We want to help out the community in a specialized way. There's a lot of people that deal with homelessness, incarceration issues, mental health issues, and a lot of those haven't held down a job, and we're trying to help build that basis for them to be employable. So it's a three-month training and employment program where they can get their serve safe, they can get 12 college credits to transfer up to MATC if they want to go to their culinary degree, and we focus on you know, outreach and helping them become you know, the person that they you know, know they truly are because this makes you feel like you have a role model, someone you can look up to where a lot of managers and everything, you know, they're sitting in their office and they're not seeing what's happening with their employees. They just come out when there's a problem. These problems that are instilled in people are just because someone might be having a bad day. It's not that they lack the training or the efficiency or they're any different than anyone else. And we're trying to say that they have been with us for three months, we know them, and they're great. Now you uh, have seen firsthand how this initiative and this program has worked, so can you talk a little bit about your story and how you got involved here? Yes, um, actually I have been formerly incarcerated. When I got out and everything, I took the program right away and you know, it made me the person that I am today. Hmm. It made me look past all the negative stuff that I've done before, all the stuff that people still to this day will say you know, negative things about me, but people who know me from back then will be like, you're a totally different person. Mm -hmm. They helped me get my first apartment with a security deposit. They helped me get my uh, first job when I got back out. They ended up hiring me and now I'm the coordinator of the program. Talk a little bit about what happens in the three months that uh, people come and get trained here and kind of what that process is. Like I said, it's a three-month training employment program and then the first month you're just going to be learning your uh, schoolwork and everything. You know, we have five subject cur curriculum um, and you, we work on serve safe, like I said, management, 
And your second month, you'll be half in the kitchen, half in the classroom. And then in your third month, we're really focusing on getting you employed, getting you out there in the work community and making sure that, you know, you are successful. And we also, um, afterwards, we still hold on to these students for a year to be their caseworker and everything. And then even afterwards, I still see students come back three, four years talking about their success and or if they're having a problem, they still come back and, you know, try to talk to us. I love what is happening here. I love what you guys are doing. And I love that we get to be a part uh, of this story and supporting what's happening here with uh, the Just Bakery. And thank you, Ashley, for being an outreach for us to get out there to uh, help the community and just to see what we're about. Absolutely. Isn't that cool? Um, one of the things that I love about Just Dane and the Just Bakery initiative is their track record of success. So for individuals who are released from prison, one of the problems is the high frequency rates with which people find themselves back in prison down the road. In fact, for the state of Wisconsin as a whole, that number hovers around 70%. 70% of the people who get released from Wisconsin jails or prisons will end up back there. For graduates of the Just Dane program, that number drops to less than 10%. So there's an incredible track record of success. They're doing great things, which is why I'm so excited to tell you that starting next weekend, we will be offering Just Dane muffins every Sunday morning here at Heartland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Biggest applause of the weekend will happen for the muffins. Leave it no doubt, right? Um, now, here's the deal. Very the logistics, just for a second. Okay, next weekend... Muffins are free. We want you to taste and see that the product is good, okay? So the muffins are free next weekend. After that, they're gonna be a dollar a piece with 100% of the money going straight to Just Dane. We won't take any of it, do anything with it. We don't make any money on it at all, but we wanna invite you to purchase these muffins in an effort to be good for your town, knowing that all of those proceeds will go back to Just Dane and their effort to help rehabilitate people who have come, out, come out of the jail or the prison system. Okay, so you buy them, buy extras. When your wife asks why you're on your third one, just tell her, hey, listen, God wants me to be good for this town, and this muffin will do that, all right? Let me close with this. As I think about our desire to be good for this town, it, it is impressed on me that we will never drift into that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't just... Find yourself living a lifestyle of being good for the community around you. It doesn't happen that way. Like, we're all busy. We all have lives to live and things to do and places to go and responsibilities to meet. So what I've observed over the last 15 years is that no one ever drifts into a lifestyle of being good for the city around them. It just doesn't happen. And we won't be able to sustain any efforts. Like the Love Your Neighbor initiative is going to last the next two weeks. I hope every single one of you finds something to do within the Love Your Neighbor initiative. But being good for this town will not be sustained beyond it. If you only try to be good for this town by like pulling on your boots and just grinding it out. The only way that we become good for this town in a way that is sustained long term is when we see the people around us the way that God sees them. It only happens when we are compelled by a love for them. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians says that it is Christ's love that compels us. 
It's this idea that when we receive the love of God and it fills us up and it pours out over us, when it overflows out of us, that is when we begin to live that life. But the first step in the process is to understand the magnitude with which God loves you. When you understand that the maker of the universe gave his son because he loves you so much, when you are filled with that reality and that love that allows you to then see the other people around you the way that God sees them, you're compelled to love them too. We live in a fantastic community, but all around us, just below the surface, there are thousands of people who are deeply hurting. And that makes sense, because we're coming off of 18 months of Racial injustice and protests and riots and mask fights and vaccine debates and political turmoil. We live in a world that is filled with skepticism and consumerism and individualism. And so many people in our community feel like they are fighting just to survive, that they are fighting with every ounce of their being just to make it through another painful, horrible week. But God has placed you in this community. He has placed us in this community to be good for this town. To let them know that we are fighting with them. That we are coming alongside them and linking arms with them to fight for their good. But the weapons that we will fight with are not the same weapons that this world fights with. The weapons of the kingdom of God are things like rakes and brooms and paintbrushes and hot lasagna meals, and purchases that give people meaningful work. The, the, the weapons of the kingdom of heaven are donated grocery cards and apartment supplies. The weapons that we fight with are bagels for teachers and candy with far too much sugar in it for little kids. <laughs> the weapons that we fight with are listening ears and open hands and hearts and the gift of physical presence. So let's be a church that deeply loves the community we're part of. Let's love not just with our words, but with our deeds, with our actions. I believe God is inviting you to be that person. He's inviting me to be that person. And he's inviting us to be that church. So together, let's lead the city in love. And let's be good for this town. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for the love that you have poured out on us. Lord, would that love compel us to live differently, compel us to live countercultural lives, or lives that would be good for the people around us and that would be glorifying to you. Lord, ultimately what we pray would happen would be that, that you would advance your kingdom in our community, that you would awaken more of our diverse community to yourself. Lord, would you do that through our actions and through the love that we have for the people that you have placed next door. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.